On today's episode of the TV Yearbook, we talk about explosions, winos, and heroin-laced dolls. Uh, Welcome to the TV Yearbook, a podcast all about awesome television shows that were created during our lifetime. We are three regular guys from the Midwest. I am Greg. Uh, I am James, uh, your second host uh, here at the TV Yearbook. And, And one of the reasons that we call ourselves the TV Yearbook is because towards the end of the show, after we look at the best and worst episodes of that of this series, we will hand out awards like superlatives, like the best smile or the best chance to run away from the cops or who ends up <laughs> being the worst grandma. I don't know. Um, we will hand <laughs> out those awards towards the end. And I'm Dom, your third co-host. And uh, we pick episodes with really uh, no clear plan. We go to the internet, the vast and deep and dark internet. And we look to see what you super fans believe about these episodes. And then we present to the rest of our TV yearbook staff the uh, rationale for these episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Let them think we have a staff. Okay. And then, uh, so today, for today's podcast, we will be reviewing the A-Team. In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. The A-Team is a show that ran from 1983 to 1987, and it is uh, basically uh, a foursome of uh, extremely talented, diverse veterans, Vietnam veterans, and they're led by Colonel Hannibal uh, B.A. Baracus, B.A. standing for Bad Attitude, okay? Uh, Mm. Face, who is the pretty boy uh, heartthrob. And Mad Dog Murdoch, who is, I think, must be pretty close to insane. I'm not sure. Seems uh, like it. These guys are soldiers of fortune, do-gooder, vigilantes. The show is action-packed, although, fun fact, no one ever dies on screen. Uh, <laughs> also, Greg. They should. Another fun fact <laughs> is Greg will, uh, always drinks a soda. Craft soda. That, a craft that's correct. Uh, another part of our podcast is every every time we do this, I enjoy a craft soda here. And so right over here, I have a Jones Cream Soda. So mm. I'm owned to the Jones Company. They make a lot of different craft sodas. Sounds so I'll hot. be enjoying a, <laughs> a Jones Cream Soda. And at the end of the episode, I'll let everybody know how it was. Ooh. So let's talk about... Uh, our best episode that we chose. Uh, It's called The Road to Hope. Here's our quick recap. 
Hannibal is the leader of the A-team, and he dresses up like a homeless man to check out a potential job <laughs> as a soldier of fortune. So while as a homeless man, he gets some food from the local mission. It's called the Moonlight Mission. But an ambulance comes up, kidnaps Hannibal the homeless. The kidnappers led by this bad guy, Jack. He is angry, but Hannibal escapes. And he finds out that the Moonlight Mission is taking homeless people, killing them, stealing their identity, and then selling those identities to the underworld. So the A-team, they open up a rival mission across the street to protect these homeless people. Obviously. And and then face B.A., Baracus, and Hannibal, they get captured by Jack again. And so it's up to Mad Murdoch to lead an army of the newly recruited homeless to rescue them. Boom. Successfully. Uh, All right. So, yeah, what what do you guys think? What, What makes this the best episode, you think? I'm going to go first because I have strong feelings about this show. Tell us more. Great. I (laughs) cannot believe that this is a show that rational thinking adults watch. (laughs) (laughs) Go do go on. (laughs) And, and I'm, I'm telling you what, we're not starting out good that this is the best episode. Things aren't going to go up from here. (laughs) Now, so here's my thing. It's, it has everything that an adolescent would want, Mm -hmm. right? Explosions, guns, fire, ridiculous fighting and, and all that kind of stuff. But this is a show that ran during prime time. This isn't a, this was an adult show. An NBC headliner. I, oh, yeah. I cannot think of a show that runs today. Like, is there a similar show today that is run for adults but directed to kids? Well, like at, th- at the middle school level. If you if you look at some of the cast members talking about their time on the show, they, they kind of take pride that this was a family-friendly show. So they, they're intentionally trying to have a show that the whole family would enjoy, which I think this show accomplishes. Well, you know, you know what I also think about family shows is my kids watch a lot of family shows. Mm. But do you know what I watch? Not those <laughs> pieces of crap. <laughs> I, well, will still the, to th- I will turn on the Netflix and I'll go upstairs and do my own, and do whatever it is I need to do while they're kids go to bed. Watching James garbage. is watching Californication. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were trying though. You know, they're trying. Oh, uh, well. And here's another part, Mr. T. Right? That's he's the most memorable part of of this show that I think almost everybody remembers and thinks of when they think of the A Team. Sure. This is a show that they built around him. The creators have came out and like have said, we're building the A-team around Mr. T because he's such a dynamic personality, which I agree with. Yeah. Yes. He does nothing in this episode. Right. He he does so very little. I I just had a hard time understanding why he's even <laughs> in the show to begin with. <laughs> yeah, uh Mr. T he uh, talks, uh, I want to get this number right, uh, three times per episode. Yeah, they really and underutilize each time it. is seven words, and I love it every time. Yeah. I desperately wanted more, Mr. T. You're right. You're well, right, maybe James. Maybe that is the formula. It's leaving you wanting more. But I was also I surprised so. that the one of the running gags is that Mr. T hates flying. Mm-hmm. 
And he's like, I don't know. There, I guess there's some line about I ain't getting on no plane. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know. And they never used it. Even uh, in right. the episode, not this one, but the other one we're going to talk about, where they have airplanes. They don't even utilize that line. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You have it's I was, sort of like I was not impressed. You have you have an all you have a great pitcher on your in your bullpen and you're not putting them out there. That's a great, great analogy. Now I will also say one of the few reasons why I think this is considered the best episode okay. is that it's a very surprisingly gruesome plot. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you, mm-hmm. on paper, definitely. Well, just the whole thing is they are kidnapping homeless, murdering them, burying their bodies somewhere, and then yeah. selling their identi- IDs to criminals. Which Something for the whole family. Seems. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of action. And Mad Dog, I would say, he makes the episode for me. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. So here – okay. Can we talk about the opening of this episode? Yes. Yes. Okay. In the opening of this episode, Mad Dog is – uh, apparently thinks that he can become invisible or something. It's very strange. So he's they're, they're having brunch. I'm coming back into focus. My molecular structure is reversing. I'm solid and and I'm back. Hi guys, miss me? Oh my gosh. They're just out there having brunch and he's saying I can make myself invisible. Watch and he's just like then he kind of kind of I don't know sinks into well, his the- chair. And the music goes. That was it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was Star Trekian. It was. That's it was what an, I thought of. It was an energized sound effect, was it not? I was very supportive. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you were. I just think though that I don't know. I, right away, I wanted to turn turn it off. Like opening of the best episode of this show. Uh, it was silly and it was not funny to me. Right. So no, I didn't. Is- I did not enjoy the opening. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why I just that I mean, starting that show with the first 5 minutes just is what made me think how can adults watch this? I didn't I didn't laugh, I didn't crack a smile. I just thought, dear god, I have to watch 90 more minutes of this crap. <laughs> <laughs> 90. Do you uh do you recall what Mr. T ordered at brunch? Oh, I don't. No. Milk. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he ordered. Oh boy, <laughs> that's, that's all. <laughs> so, uh, so Hannibal finds himself uh, in a bit of trouble because he dresses up as a homeless wino. Is he Jim Bean or Jack Daniels? That his name. I forget. He's I Jack remember. Daniels. He's, oh yeah. Yeah, okay. he plays Jack Daniels. Anyway, uh, and crawling he over gets, garbage, introducing himself he, to some other bomb. Jim Bean. Jim Bean. Yeah. The other bum. So he gets uh, he gets kidnapped, and uh, now we're face to face with the bad guys of the episode, the ones who are stealing the old people, uh, the not the old people, the ones who are stealing the homeless people. But Hannibal's not the right shape, not the right size, so they're going to kill Hannibal, and they're making him dig his own grave before they murder him, <laughs> murder him. Yeah. Family show, and then they uh, and then they throw him into this grave that he is currently digging. Right, so he's digging his grave out, and you know, he's of course we're waiting for him to escape, right? So these three goons are watching him dig his own grave with their, you know, being heavily armed, and he says he's digging his grave, and he runs into some kind of pipe, and he says, "Oh, you know what? I need a pickaxe." 
and they give it to him, obviously. Sure. Why, why, why wouldn't you give him a pickaxe? <laughs> and so... Hey, then, I need another blunt weapon so I could potentially <laughs> right. bludgeon you. Oh, yeah, okay. I'll give you a blunt weapon. Oh, that makes sense. Makes total sense. So, uh, and by the way, Hannibal's character is, they actually modeled him after an actual veteran who went around vigilante style uh, looking for lost American soldiers from Vietnam. So really? Anyway. Yeah. So he, uh, anyway, so he's in this, he's in his grave and he, his way to get out is to, of course, see what's in this pipe. So he punctures it and you would think for an escape to be possible that it would be covering, you know, their vision or something. And so what you see is this like trickle of water come out. <laughs> think, think, you know, that your backyard hose was left on. And somehow that is distracting enough for him to get out of this grave and run away, you know, from these these goons who are just cannot fight through a hose trickle of water. You can't watch someone digging your own, their own grave while wet. <laughs> I guess not. So they have to they have to run off, get a change of clothes. <laughs> it's just, because, uh, it's just, which ridiculous. gives Hannibal plenty of time to escape in the five miles per hour <laughs> tractor that he escapes in. <laughs> yes, but he, hold on. So bulldozer. not only he doesn't just get in the tr- in the bulldozer and drive away, he pushes the ambulance with the bulldozer. Which explodes on contact. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know. Were cars more flammable back in the 80s? According to the 8 team, they were. And I know what you're saying about this adult kid time, but this is the best episode because I loved it. I was entertained. I thought it was phenomenal here <laughs> because Hannibal escapes. Yes, it is absurd. It is ridiculous. But they get back. They get back to... Uh, to the hotel room where they're staying and, and we find out what the truth is on what the bad guys are doing. Their entire scheme of stealing homeless people. Is this, this, and, this is the original identity theft. Is this yeah, what we're looking at? It's early oh, 1980s yeah. identity theft. That's right. I mean, but, wouldn't it just be easier just to just take their credit cards instead of <laughs> murdering people? Uh, uh, no, because <laughs> for a homeless person to get a credit card, uh, you know, back then there were, it was harder. Even if they did, they had to use that fancy metal machine at the store. We go, shoo, shoo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> shoo, shoo. So it's a whole different that. thing. So we've watched, uh, this is our third episode and we've seen Hasselhoff. We've seen Tom Selleck and now we've seen George Papard. I have to say these leading male characters, they are all so charismatic. Like Hannibal is just having a great time with everything. He is smiling. He has a plan. He is cool as a cucumber in every situation. He's like, oh, it's all going to be fine because it's a family show on NBC primetime. I will be fine. And he's like, he knows it. Yeah. I could. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. Oh, he's so likable, James. He is. No, he is not (laughs) so likable. No, He's, not in the magnetism way of Tom Selleck. I'm just saying just let's, – Let's not go back to Tom Selleck. 
We've we've discussed it. We've moved time, on. So. <laughs> James is still feeling insecure because of yeah, he's still, <laughs> not no. Harrison Ford not being a bigger star than him. <laughs> We're not going to rehash this. Uh, yeah. No, we don't have to rehash. All right, our listener agreed let with it, me. Let it breathe. <laughs> you paid off, Toby. <laughs> so uh, now, during this time, we have my favorite line of the entire episode. That Hannibal says as he reveals the plan of what the bad guys have been doing. And if you remember the line, it is. Now, why does Foxy Loxy and Chicken Little run around in a shiny white ambulance, dropping the skin on defenseless winos? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And the answer is identity theft. So they come up with the plan. We're going to open up a competing mission across the street from the Moonlight mission. And that way, all the homeless people will come there and they won't get stolen. And, And in one day, that happens. Well, they're in a, they're an amazing team of individuals. That's that's for sure. Hey, did anyone notice the the little cameo of the X Files guy? No, Duchovny. So when they open up the mission, and the the bad guys across the street walk out, the bald guy with the tattoo, who's like, "This isn't going to be good for business." He he's Mulder and Scully's boss in the FBI. Oh, no. Oh, that's Skinner? Skinner. Yes, Skinner. Mm. Yeah, it was Skinner. Whoa. Did not catch right. that. I thought I'll have to take I a look at that, that again. was going to be a, a huge giveaway. Well, I really liked the when they opened the mission and Mad Dog becomes this preacher persona. Mm-hmm. This, this was the only part of the episode I enjoyed. Yes, it's good. Good to see so many well-fed men under one roof. It makes me wonder where all the female bums are. Yes. I loved, he was hilarious. He was, I mean, it was funny. That was the one truly like just funny moment is when he's doing this ridiculous voice and, and pretending to be a preacher. I mean, he, he was the reason to watch this episode, in my opinion. Did you uh, catch what... <laughs> what Hannibal said that Mr. T's name was going to be as oh, his pseudo yes. preacher name. <laughs> Father Blacktop? Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no. So, cult- Who will be playing sensitive. the organ and the tambourine? <laughs> to which to which Mr. T responds, I don't like it, Hannibal. And then they say, Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Oh, I Mr. love T. Mr. T in every way, shape, and form. Yeah. He is amazing. And I think, Greg, all the lines that you've said are all the lines that he has in this episode. Yeah, that's much. 80% of his lines. Crazy. And I, 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 also, like I also really like how the heart of their plan is all about absolutely taking advantage of homeless people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, they're trying to save their lives, James. No, well, they're not. <laughs> they're trying to no. They at the, well at the beginning. We will the get be- there towards the end, but they are not trying to save their life. They are absolutely using and manipulating them as as a human shield. It does start that way. It starts at you know. It's like it started off as a, a humanitarian uh, mission, uh, yep. but but once they figure out okay, there's terrorists behind all of this. Now we have to mobilize the army of homeless people. 
Well, so they have to mobilize the army. So we're skipping a few things. So uh, Hannibal, Face, and B.A. track down this hotel tycoon kind of guy who's like financing this entire criminal operation. They get captured again because mm-hmm. uh, they end up going to some remote cabin and mm-hmm. they proceed to start digging their graves again. And they send out a distress call. To Mad Dog, who's back at the mission where all of the winos are singing gospel music. And they are singing Onward Christian Soldiers, (laughs) uh, marching as to war. (laughs) Yes. And sure enough, that becomes the line that really, really stuck out to me. And like, what are we going to do? We have this army of winos. All right. This... (laughs) Uh, so the bums are going to become like bombardier generals, and I love <laughs> the enthusiasm. I like that. that oh, I see what you uh, did there. Yeah, oh, dear. it's great. <laughs> and I love the enthusiasm that all of these homeless guys have toward toward potentially dying. I think at this point they must have watched the first part of the episode though and realized that I don't know. About 15 million bullets have been fired, and not one person has been hit <laughs> at all. Yeah. So, like, I think we'll be okay. So, Mad Dog Murdoch hands out three automatic weapons. Mm-hmm. As long as tells- as long as the human beings aren't as explosive as the cars yes. in this show, they're going to be fine. Oh, they're Correct. not. They're definitely not. And and before m- before they hand out the weapons, he. He, they're sitting there, list singing or listening to the sermon, and he says, "How many of you are uh, former military?" And you know, half of them raise their hands or whatever. <laughs> they're like, "Okay." So then he then he decides what their uh, what their uh, vocation was in the military. He's like, "All right, you guys, you guys get the weapons," and then he puts the rest of them in a pastry cart. Like, hop in. We're going to ride this pastry cart to save the day. It was so ridiculous. So ridiculous. But it was over the top. Like, they get to this, the army of bums show up. It's over the top, just masculinity. I mean, that's really just the most accurate way to describe what this show is. It's just masculinity on screen. Stereotypical masculinity. The montage of all four of the A team in this grove of trees shooting machine guns. (laughs) Four way tree defense. I loved that. As the camera pans (laughs) around them, I, Uh. I just could. I, I mean, again, I cannot believe. I, I get an adult turning tuning into the show to be like, okay, you know, explosions. It's Mr. T, whatever. But this show ran for five seasons. Yeah, I just can't believe people put up with this crap. Well, I I remember as a kid, and it was you know probably more reruns when I was watching, but I loved it. I mean, I was like, I want to see the ATM. I loved Mr. T. I was all about it, you know. But now, and so I was I was really let down to go back and watch these episodes uh, for the reasons you're saying. James, like, what? This is just too ridiculous. Yeah, but in the end, they they saved the day. There's a newspaper article that says Skid Row strikes back. So the newspapers were covering this uh, this assault of the homeless on on the bad guys, including Jack, who screams at Hannibal while he's digging his own grave. Keep it up, Whitey, because I'm gonna waste you. Aww. <laughs> Just, the the dialogue was not great. 
The explosions were fantastic. Uh, they had an opportunity, I think, to discuss a very, very real problem in the 80s, which was homelessness among Vietnam War veterans. Right. But then they just take it and turn it into a trope, and yeah. they really minimize it, and then they just use it for their own ends, which I think is what we kind of spoke about earlier. We're just using the homeless. So uh, it's not that's not a great look at all. And that part, I would say, did not age well. No. Even though it was like a fun episode, but eh. To me, I feel they missed an entire layer of the show of just espionage and undercover, like Mission Impossible kind of masks or whatever. Totally. I think they just missed a whole cool layer to the show by just completely whitewashing these guys are on the run, which they announce like in during the theme song or whatever, the opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they never address it ever yeah. again. I do. I mean, they and just I- pretend like that's not an issue. I really do like, I guess they open every episode with what the A-team is and they, you know, they're, you know, being pursued for a crime they quote unquote didn't commit, which I, I had to look in deepy, deeply into the internet to figure out that they were tasked, they were the A-team, meaning alpha team, they were tasked to go in and, and win the Vietnam War by stealing all this gold uh, somewhere in, in Vietnam and it they were <laughs> accused of uh, botching it or whatever. Um, well... If you look at Mr. T, I think they're goofy. I think they I think they <laughs> there may be some reasons why they thought that. Um but yeah, Bo Bo Gritz was the is the actual person they based Hannibal's character on and he led several controversial uh, uh attempts to go rescue POWs in Vietnam. So wow. Show around that might be very interesting. That would be a lot cooler. Yeah. I um, agree. And we haven't even gotten to the bad episode yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, are we are we done? Have we have we exhausted the best episode? I think so. Yeah. Uh, so. Let's talk about this bad episode because I also have a thesis about this bad episode. It's like what the is writers, the worst episode? Uh, this this uncle episode and the writers uncle of Buckle this up. uncle episode are yep. like, can we just list the things that we want? In this episode. So here's what we really want. And we want to combine them all. We want to steal a Russian plane. We want Murdoch to sing. We want to invade a Chinese consulate. We want to include a Hollywood studio tour bus thinking that a real gunfight is just a fake gunfight. We really like Frank Sinatra. Crazy people in asylums are really Whoa. funny. We are have a helicopter for Hannibal to jump on the hold landing on, skid. Hold on, hold we on. want to mix them all together. We want a bad guy named Prince. Ivan because we saw that Mad P.I. episode. and. What? Greg, are you this, talking about the worst episode? Yeah, this uncle episode. That season five episode. I can't remember. The um, uncle. No. Uncle something. Uncle Buckle Up. It's about a TV chipmunk. I don't think you're talking about the right episode. <laughs> Hold on. I'm looking. Stand by. Let's go. All right. We'll cut this out. Oh, crap. Okay. We'll fix right. this in Hold post. on. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Let me explain. There are two uncle episodes. <laughs> there's one in season five called Say Uncle. And then there's one in season four called Uncle Buckle Up. I'm guessing you all watched Uncle Buckle Up. And I watched uh, yeah, um... the Say Uncle Affair. <laughs> um, yes. So let's pause for a moment. <laughs> and right. let me watch the real one. <laughs> Uncle Buckle Up. You're going to AA, Jorge. Okay. Okay, we are back. So I just watched the actual episode I was supposed to watch. I'm sorry about that, guys. 
and can I say Uncle Buckle Up is incredibly different than the episode where they steal a Russian stealth fighter because the beginning of this episode involves uh, a TV family show chipmunk dom why don't you tell us about this episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah so this okay so this is the worst episode and it's called uncle buckle up uh uncle buckle up is a kids tv show uh think death to smoochie if you've seen that (laughs) so in this episode the a team stumbles into an international drug ring of all things Uh, uncle buckle up is a safety chipmunk kids tv host and he has a bear sidekick rough the bear who's his drunk nephew. It looks like Ruff the Bear has been visiting his bestest buddy, Mr. Whiskey. Uh, there's mobsters, <laughs> and they injure the bear sidekick in the beginning. Hannibal, uh, apparently at this point in the series, this is season four now, has been doing some uh, some Hollywood work in uh, uh, horror movies, and he's lost all of his gigs, and he's really excited to get this new bear sidekick job. Turns out the injury was meant for Uncle Buckle Up, the injury to his nephew, and uh, and you, there's a new evil company that have taken over Uncle Buckle Up's merchandising. And Uncle does not like the new toy company. The uncle is actually Sid in this show, if we refer to Sid as his actual name uh, in the episode. Um, he likes the old company. He doesn't like the new guys. Uh, lower quality, the heads are falling off the toys, the prices are higher, and uh, what we find out later, the big surprise is heroin inside the toys. <laughs> <laughs> so it's up to the A-team to help stop the mobsters. They uh, Eventually, they get captured and locked into a warehouse with all the merchandise. And, uh, of course, what would they do? What would you do? You would weaponize the toys and fireworks and escape. Catch the bad guys, win the day. And that is... <laughs> The recap that description seems like the episode is going to be fantastic right it's not no <laughs> so overall thoughts what do you think why is this Greg? the worst we start with the question that i want an answer for why does hannibal really want this bear job i don't i don't get it that is also my first question I don't, I don't know. This is maybe some kind of personal thing that I have, personal issues that I need to like talk to somebody about. It bothers me so much that they are completely ignoring one of the main premises of the show of them being on the run. Yeah. Why does Hannibal want to be on television? Well, this is a perfect role because he would be wearing a bear costume with a bear head. Yeah. Couldn't see him. Oh, well. I rescind my point. <laughs> no, because. but it's still your no, I think your point is still valid because it is still a high profile thing just being on television at all. Right. Well, and it's it just seems like such a silly premise that the writers, I mean the whole point is they're trying to get the A team into this television show and that's how they uncover all the hijinks and the heroin and then, you know, they come and save the day. It would have made more sense if the A-team got called in because of the drunk nephew who got in the car accident at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, it would have made more sense right. to do everything the same, but skip this scene at the zoo where Hannibal talks about wanting to be the bear. And like, just really say, wanting to be the bear. Really hey, do like you guys know it. this chipmunk called Uncle Buckle Up? Oh, yeah, we love that show. Well, his nephew, who is the dancing bear in the background, <laughs> got drunk and got in a car accident. 
<laughs> oh, let's go check that out. Done. Done. Now they're in the show. There's right. no ridiculous premise. I just think they absolutely just completely mailed this in and just relied on the silliness of it. The multiple times they just had to have dancing bears in the background. Trained by a prince lookalike. I don't know if you caught that. Uh, <laughs> in, in spandex, it was ridiculous. There's just people in bear heads warming up throughout different like all of these other guys who are auditioning for the bear role and then for most i mean dare i say embarrassing part of the episode which is where hannibal is growling like a bear hannibal is meant to be this really really cool cool guy and he is embarrassing himself with this bear audition yeah and it's 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 not good it's not it's not good at all it's not a good look well this is it guys an actor can tell when his career is coming to an end. It's not. And he doesn't actually get the part, which is hilarious, I think. You know, he's like, well, you're not, you're just not right for the bear. And Hannibal's so disappointed. Face is absolutely right. Why are you doing this? Hannibal, why are you doing this? It was always my dream to be on television. Why? Why this role? <laughs> why does, why does he, you, you sounded more like Hannibal Lecter. Than why? From this. Why? <laughs> why? <laughs> Going back to the actual, the person that they're basing (laughs) Colonel Hannibal off of did run apparently for president in 1992 under the slogan. Again, his name was Bo Gritz and his slogan was God, Guns and Grits. And he somehow did not win populist party ticket. Oh, but uh, crazy. (laughs) Ross Perot siphoning his votes. It was all Ross Perot. Yeah. Not going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, okay. So then, okay. There's another part early in the episode where we find out that all of what's happening with the toys is because of these, these mob guys. And again, yet again, here in the early to mid eighties, we have mob influence on television. And I just, I mean, I feel like they are pressing a little too hard on the Godfather vibe uh trying to to get us to believe that this stuff is going on but uh but anyway so there's a discussion where the mob boss is talking to preston who is the new manager that uncle buckle up doesn't really like and um there's just the part of the episode where he pronounces asia asia did you guys catch that? <laughs> no. I, I remember that. I'm surprised with this show that they just didn't call it the Oriental region. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I mean, so for ridiculous. how much they are just willing just to throw everything out there, I'm surprised they didn't do that. So Preston, this guy that is in with the mob, unbeknownst to uncle at this point, he actually goes on to have a, a somewhat good career in advertising. He becomes he does. the most interesting man in the world from, yeah. what's that beer? Wait, what? Do you know that those no. commercials? The most Preston interesting is the most interesting man in the world. Yeah. Weird, right? Yeah. Wow. So, but in this, but in this episode, he can't Asia. pronounce Asia correctly. <laughs> so that's probably a criterion that they use to Asia. establish why, who in the world pronounces it Asia? I guess Asia. Asia. That's Clarice. A, that's a criterion. i was really disappointed how they treated the main bad guy who i think he was one of the police commissioners on police academy oh yes okay good i i thought that's where i recognized him from 
But he was very just impotent in this. Am I saying that word right? Important. Omnipotent? No, no, not important. (laughs) Dull and flaccid is what I want to say. Just say that. Because he, he was this guy sitting in a tower just ordering his goons around. Like he didn't really do anything of consequence. He was not a good villain. Um, so I thought they really missed a chance to to make this villain because this is actually I liked this twist in the episode. Don't get me wrong, the episode absolute garbage. I'm never gonna watch it again. <laughs> I was just I will not encourage anyone to ever watch this show. But that twist of like sneaking heroin in through these dolls was a pretty cool twist but i I just thought they really missed a chance to to make this a great villain and 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 do something cool but they just left him in the tower to order his goons rounds i should note uh that the the guy who wrote this episode Mm. he only wrote one more episode for the show ever so (laughs) i think the producers (laughs) learned their lesson did he go on to have a stellar career some in some other genre i i have no idea Mm. Look All I know is after this episode, he was given one more chance and then presumptively fired, which is I can't imagine him being fired from this show. <laughs> he went on to find more pretty bad. sustainable work. <laughs> hey, this was a this was a popular show. And one of those popular characters was face. We don't see it that much in the first episode, the good episode. But face is the ladies man. And we oh, get yeah. to see it in this episode. Yeah, he was. Uh, well, did you notice when he was getting sort of hot and heavy with uh, Uncle Buckle Up had a daughter, and she's I don't know she came around for some reason I can't remember why, but it looked to me like she was missing half of her ring finger. Did you notice that? No, I could be wrong. It could have been just angles, but it looked it looked strange. I just it was weird. It stood out to me. But yeah, they were that scene was uh, I don't know. It felt a little bit misplaced. Yeah, just another it well it's just another episode of 1980s writers like thinking they know how to write women and <laughs> right. because if they're like 35 years old that means they were growing up in the 1950s which means their perspective on what women want what women do how women act how women talk is going to be really really warped. Yeah. So well, I think we should also just note of these two episodes this is the only woman character of note yes. that spends any kind of significant time on screen. Yeah, I guess there's a n- neither of our episodes came in the first two seasons, but the the show attempted to have recurring uh, female characters that were like journalists following the A team, and apparently there was some behind the scenes uh, uh, problems with that. Did you pick up on any of that? Like an. Mm-mm. There they was, had like so, heat characters like April so Papard, O'Neil or something. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> so Papard, who plays Hannibal, um, I guess was like pretty antagonistic and chauvinistic, saying this is a this is a show for guys. The writers just have you here because they're trying to placate, you know, blah blah blah. Oh, and so kept saying these things to her, to this one the one gal that um, I can't remember her name now, but but she you know was just tired of it. You know, so they've and they've had some reunions, and uh, the actor that plays uh, Mad Murdoch commented on this, saying, "You know, it was we we liked it the way it was, and so there was they were sort of outspoken about trying to minimize the impact of female characters, which I think in today's uh, uh, culture and and um, and rightly so, it's like what 
that's there's not there's really shouldn't be a place for that. Um, yeah, the right. tr- the tr- the tropes that they have with this one female character here. Me and my wife, we actually have an agreement. If I ever get in a, like a, a wrestling match with a guy with a gun and the gun flips off like 10 feet away, my wife is not going to stand there. We have an agreement. <laughs> I will continue wrestling with the guy. I will push him away. I will run away the other way, get as far away from, and my wife will shoot this bad guy. I Boom. mean, this is what's going to happen. And that doesn't happen. There's no agency for this woman. The gun is sitting right in front of her while Face is fighting these other two guys, and there's no there's no mention of her. She just stands there. It's 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 not a great look at all. I love that you have an agreement. That's good. <laughs> is this on paper? Was there a notary present? <laughs> <laughs> nope, just a just a long car trip. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> it's good to plan ahead for such things. Okay, where are we in this episode? This is junk. Look at this. The heads come off. The heads come off for crying out loud. What? Uh, I mean, uh, so let's get well, to yeah, the warehouse. Get, I mean, the get... episode is all about just these defective toys, and they're just trying to figure it out. And at some point. All the guys get kidnapped, basically. Yep, and they're captured in the warehouse toy factory and trying to figure out how to escape before they burn the warehouse down with all of them inside. Yeah, so the A-team and the daughter are trapped in a warehouse. Meanwhile, the mob boss is pressuring Sid to make a commercial endorsing these toys. Under duress. Under duress. And so at the end, they're just, the plan is we're just going to kill everybody. That's the, we're going to kill Sid. We're going to burn the warehouse down. But Mm -hmm. when you put the A team in a warehouse full of toys, (laughs) there's only one option, which is to forget all the toys and just go for the fireworks and make just a ton of bombs. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, Weird. I mean, maybe we should put the fireworks with, you know, teddy bears or, you know, whatever. Well, Chip. That's the funny part is that they they spend a lot of time saying it's a toy warehouse. We're going to put them in this toy warehouse. Why are there <laughs> stockpiles of fireworks? I don't really consider fireworks no. a children's toy. Also, it was if I may say. They they are because they are in the toy warehouse discovering the heroin. They pull off the bear's head and like ah, it's heroin. The heroin. And then reveal, yeah. they're like, we're gonna burn down this warehouse with all of our heroin inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> they don't they don't take out the heroin, uh, the heroin as it is. The they barrel- don't do that. <laughs> it is uh, it's it's a bad episode because they don't point. think anything through. At all. Well, they did think about one thing. So American Gladiators was very popular during this time. And there was a jousting scene. Do you remember this? So Uncle Buckle Up is a safety character and he's wanting kids to be safe. So they have these giant matchsticks oh, yeah. <laughs> on the set. And so there's a scene where Face is jousting with giant matchsticks with one of the goons. Too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> oh, That's boy. excellent here. So Yeah, so we get a, a really good toy weapon montage of just compiling gunpowder and i mean i tell you the a team is really skilled because the explosions that they made were just a couple black cats <laughs> <laughs> it's quite phenomenal they've been watching macgyver yeah well really? they, they get out they rescue they go back to the tv station they rescue sid 
and that's it. So overall, we had a really, really bad episode because the bad guys were not good. The tropes were over the top. The story, which could have been good, really wasn't at all. And, of course, the level of absurdity was off the charts. <laughs> off the charts. And, I, I mean, the line between the best and worst episode, in this case, extremely thin, in my opinion. Very thin. I actually think I'm, I think I liked Uncle Buckle Up better than the Road to Hope episode the best. So, mm-hmm. anyway, uh, should we... I don't know if I'm capable of making that kind of statement. But I mean I would I would say just in general, this is not a show I would ever watch again. But as a kid, did you did you But I, but yeah, as a kid I would. Yeah. I I don't think I would have been awake enough to watch this show. I don't know if my I don't know if my parents would have let me watch it. Well, I think it came on, you know, I don't know about your household, but my parents you know, when I was older, when there was reruns on, they weren't monitoring what I was watching at all. And so I think I, my brother and I were, were watching this show with much uh, uh, glee uh, in the 90s. <laughs> well, yeah, because well, it's yeah, really cool. But, but, but 13 to 15 year old boys is not a successful target demographic. I mean, I think that's my problem is like this show was immensely popular because you had adults watching it. And I just, I cannot fathom how that even happened. It's way too cartoonish. Mr. T was just, again, using just these two episodes as my gauge. Mr. T was not involved at all. He he had very little presence on, well, that's probably the wrong word, but he had very little to do in the episodes. And I wanted more. And I wanted more. You blame the writers for that. I think you have to blame the writers and the production team for that because, again, you have this talent. He's You hire him on this show specifically for the appeal that he brings, and you totally underutilize him. Well, I get that for the first season, but these episodes were in season four. Right. Wow. I mean, at some point, you would have a showrunner or a producer saying, hey, listen, we have this guy, Mr. T. He needs to have more time, more of a spot on this more than just seven lines of which they are you've been a chipmunk for 25 years <laughs> all no, this no. over some dolls that is two of his seven lines in this episode my favorite my favorite line of his was i ain't take no orders from no chipmunk <laughs> <laughs> so good i do remember that line uh, i did enjoy that line uh, all right. Well, uh, I think is now the time for the TV Yearbook Awards. Do it. Yes, the TV Yearbook Awards. So da, these da, are da, our. Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not doing these that. Are okay. Our <laughs> superlative awards. Yeah. And I go. I have an extra mile. So the extra mile has been our kind of mainstay award from episode to episode, in that we look at people who are Greg you described the extra mile I like your description of it yeah so uh, we've come up with the extra mile award because if you're an actor struggling in Hollywood and you get on a TV show even as a not even a minor role a background role uh, it's your chance because you're on TV for only four seconds so we give the extra mile award to that person in the background that is making the most of their four seconds. They might be having a great time doing something. They could be doing something absurd, but that's our extra mile award. So my extra mile goes to the guy in the first episode because so when the A-team goes to this remote cabin, which is just teeming with soldiers hiding in the hiding in the trees, there's a guard in the tree who he's just staring off in the distance 
He immediately snaps to attention when he sees the A-team coming. And he radio radios in that they're here. And I just got to feel so sorry for this guy. <laughs> this is his one chance. This is his t- moment. He has a line. He's the only one on screen. This is his... He's going to make a dent. And he <laughs> puts his walkie-talkie just right over his face. <laughs> you can't even tell who he is anymore. And it's just... You have to know... He walks off the set. He's excited. Yeah, I was on the A-team. I had a line. He's telling his whole family. They have a watch party. <laughs> and then you got... And that scene comes up. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you just have to think that he just... I, he blew it so bad. Yeah, that's right. It's that's like funny. the guy in 1860 who finally gets his $100 to pay for the one photo that he will take of himself in his life because photography is so new, and he gets the photo back, and he's looking the other way. It's like, oh, his one shot, and he screwed it up. Threw away a shot. Not uh, you got an award? My, yeah, my award, Dom, you already mentioned it here, but my, uh, my superlative is most likely to be the long-lost brother of the artist formerly known as Prince. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think you spotted this one, too. Oh. He is, uh, we have a bunch of literal dancing bears, <laughs> uh, guys in bear costumes. No, not even costumes, bear heads. Bear heads. Only bear heads. Crazy. You can give those four guys the Extra Mile Award, too, because you do not see them at all. <laughs> And there are four dancing guys in bear heads. And the lead choreographer is the long lost brother of the artist formerly known as Prince. Actually, I would say he's the long lost brother of Fred Armiston from SNL playing the artist formerly known as Prince. (laughs) He is so good. He has a tank top, long hair, a mustache, the longest of socks, and he's teaching bare heads how to dance. So he gets that award for me. That is good. Well, I have a new award, you guys. You want to hear it? Yes. Yes. This is so just like, you know, when we talk about yearbooks, you go back and you look and see what the language was like. And it's often funny to think about. Well, in this case, I we've said it several times here for the best episode, but the award is the uh, most overused phrase award. And uh, in this case, it's just a word. It's the term wino. And I heard it probably (laughs) 4000 times in in the episode. Winos, 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 And I just have to say, I'm really glad that that is no longer a term that we hear very much. Oh, uh, I feel the exact opposite. Oh, I hate that. I, I wish we used it more. I hated it. Why no? Ah, no, no, no. It just, it feels good just to say it to somebody. <sighs> No, no. I no. would say I'm wino neutral. <laughs> wino neutral. <laughs> well, I have I have another uh, superlative I would like to give. And this award goes to the writers. And I like to give them the most likely to not understand the Me Too movement. <laughs> <laughs> That's a unique award. Just just with the complete lack and absurdity they have with female <laughs> characters yeah it was bad yes was bad. i also give my uh, final award to the writers for most likely to not understand how automatic weapons work <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, or is that a director? Maybe the director should get that. In, in every episode. Hey, look at all this gunfire. Whatever you do, A-team, don't take cover during a gunfight. Just stand <laughs> in the middle of the field, stand You'll in the middle of the road, fire. Bad You'll guys, you also don't take cover. Right. Just fire. You're 12 feet away from each other. If There's you- not one drop of blood in the entire episode no i'm sure there's like fcc network primetime rules here but uh well so late so later you know they made an 18 movie right so it was i didn't see it but bradley cooper and whatever i saw it bradley cooper mr t was given the chance to have a cameo in it which he declined and uh, part of the part of his comments about the movie was he was disappointed. He said, you know, too much sex, too much violence. We had a show that was supposed to be free from such things. No death on camera. They you know, it's ridiculous to watch now because we see all this violence and we're kind of desensitized to it. But um, but he yeah, he turned it down. So which is okay. interesting. Can we can I have to say, OK, Mr. T's gold and jewelry in the second episode was so excessive. I mean, there was, it was layered on, I mean, thick gold chains. He had what's with all the gold chains. He had a gold chain. Why is he wearing the gold chains? It was close to 40 pounds. Well, so his gold chain look came up is, so Mr. T, before he became Mr. T, as we know him, he was a bouncer. And he, one of the things he would do is like when the patrons of the club would leave their jewelry behind, he would wear it as like a human lost and found. So that uh, back, <laughs> he would have, and, uh, and I'm not going to take it. His look. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. But yeah, Mr. T was actually his first foray into television was NBC ran a show kind of American gladiator ish. But with bouncers, it was like no who's way. the best bouncer oh, that's in awesome. America. Roadhouse so reality. Put them roadhouse <laughs> oh, that's so funny. They put all these bouncers like in like different competitions, you know, strength competitions or whatever. And then in the end, the finale, it was the top two got in a boxing match, and Mr. <laughs> T fought this guy from Hawaii who was like six five, six six, like two hundred and eighty pounds, and Mr. T is not that tall or not that big. And he beat the hell out of this guy. Really? <laughs> and that show is the reason he got the part in Rocky Three. No kidding. Yeah, of course I think that's his most famous part, I think. But uh oh, yeah. My Mr. T fun fact is that I guess when he was in the military, he did something wrong, whatever, and he was told to chop down trees uh, as a punishment. And in a three and a half hour span, according to Wikipedia, he chopped down like 70 trees. <laughs> and then they came out and they're like, oh my God, how many trees uh, private, did you, you have down? just destroyed a forest and gave away our position. <laughs> and that's when they knew that they had someone special. <laughs> My Mr. T fun fact is that his mohawk is not uh, like a Native American mohawk. It's an African Mandika mohawk uh, meant to honor his African heritage. And so that's uh, that's why he has that. So I'm glad we all came with our Mr. T facts. That's important. Well, Mr. <laughs> T, I mean, he's the reason to watch the show. Yeah. And it's just a shame that they didn't use him. And yeah. That the show is just the absolute trash dumpster fire <laughs> well should yeah, it we, wasn't uh, wasn't a top show it hasn't aged well either 
It has. Well, not. we're nearing the end of our episode, so we should talk about our next show that we're going to review is going to be ready for it. Miami Vice. <laughs> it's not. It's not the theme song. Um, did you guys watch Miami Vice? No. Do you know anything of Miami Vice? Don the Johnson suits. is all I know. Yeah. The suits, flowing Don, the shirts. Suits. It's set in Des Moines. I know that. It's set in Des Moines. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I got nothing for Miami Vice, so it'll be interesting. Anyway. We need to know about mm. Greg Soda too. Yeah. Oh, the Jones Cream Soda uh, turned out to be uh, pretty Sticky. darn good. I enjoyed it thoroughly. So my recommendation is two thumbs up. Uh, it had a crisp taste, the taste that, um, I don't know, that makes you feel good for the rest of the day. Love it. Love it. It's no wine, and I'm not becoming a wino, maybe a soto. We need I to have- cut that line. That's stupid. <laughs> we need to move on. <laughs> want to hear greg's notes for the wrong uncle episode as the end of the show oh the wrong episode that i watched yeah can you read can you read us some lines uh yeah i'll, I'll read you just a, a couple of lines give us a snippet uh, there was a new a new character frankie santana is the new sidekick in the fifth season <laughs> in case you if you're in case you're wondering. oh boy <laughs> Frankie uh, Santana. They had a great car phone there. Let's see. What do we got? Uh, This lady has hair worthy of Marge Simpson. It just keeps going. (laughs) Uh, Mad Dog hits his own butt. There's no Chinese consulate security. This is very stereotypical. Uh, They have another bad guy named Ivan who's a Russian. Oh. All right. Whoa. When the A-team comes crashing into the consulate, I'm immediately excited by 500 bullets that are about to be fired, and not one person's going to be hurt. (laughs) Well, it's good to know they're keeping that thread alive. (laughs) And my ultimate question, which applies to every episode, why does everything explode all of the time? And I think we can actually appreciate that comment as watching these two episodes, so... Uh, it's it's a it's a pretty good. Oh, and then uh, a quick Simpsons reference. When I was seventeen, I drank my very first beer. <laughs> I drank my very first beer I purchased with a fake ID. My fa- my name was Johnny McGee. <laughs> I stayed up listening to Queen when I was seventeen. <laughs> we need to cut that. Also, this is all yeah. not a part of this episode. I don't know.